0: For the love of fall, Starbucks Pumpkin Spice Lattes and Pumpkin Cream Cold Brews are back. Smooth espresso dashed with pumpkin pie spice and velvety whipped cream. Or cold brew topped with pumpkin cream cold foam fit for the season. Your pumpkin awaits. Order today in the Starbucks app. If you look for it, every day has cause for celebration. Celebrate a friend for their promotion baby wedding life thing. Celebrate yourself for keeping the couch warm. It's no easy feat, especially if it's a big couch. Or maybe you just want to celebrate living in 2022 where you can get beer, wine, and spirits delivered from Drizzly in under 60 minutes without leaving said couch. So download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's d-r-i-z-l-y.com, And get your favorite drinks delivered today. But not having money conversations actually, I believe, leaves us without the tools to look for information that can help us when we do go through a financial hardship.
1: Okay, here's a question. When's the last time you talked to somebody about money? Like honestly, without it getting weird or people wondering, why don't we talk about the money that we make or how we invest it? or how we can be better at saving or creating a budget. Why is that so hard for us to do? That sound bite you just heard was from Olga Kirschenbaum, who was the guest today on Dr. D's social network. We talk quite a bit about Money Conversations, her podcast, Nine Minutes of Creative Wisdom, and have some fun as well, talking a little bit about our mutual passion for cocktail recipes. Ladies and gentlemen, Olga Kirschenbaum. I want to learn how you got involved in podcasting, your kind of motivation for that.
0: Yes. So uh, originally, if you asked me a year ago, if that, like, would you have a podcast? I Or if you told me that a year from now, you'd have your own podcast, I'd laugh. I'd say, nope, that's not for me. But... <laughs> A year ago is when I started my podcasting journey as a guest on on shows, and uh, the person that kind of broke me into doing it, he motivated me to get my own podcast just because he had seen so much growth himself. His name is Adam Carswell. The show is called Dream Chasers, and he speaks to people who are doing things that, you know, basically going for their dreams. And I saw how he was connecting with people and just helping himself go to the next level with these conversations he was having. And for me, the motivation for my podcast was a little bit different. I, one of the main reasons why I do what I do, I'm a money coach, um, is I believe that we don't have enough money conversations. And that's why people don't know, don't have the confidence to solve money problems or money puzzles in their lives. And I work with creative people and I thought, what would be a good way to start those conversations? Now, I think if we just got into money conversations, one, I'm not sure all the listeners would stick around. And I'm not sure uh, how open creatives would be to talking about money. So that's kind of what started the idea of kind of my personal growth, obviously, but also starting money conversations was really the big thing for me. And I wanted to make it fun. I believe that if I'm not having fun, I'm going to fall off of whatever I'm doing in the next year. So that was important to me for me to have fun, but also uh, fun for the guests. I mean, you were on the show. I hope you had fun. <laughs> I
1: did. I did. No, you make it very easy. It's a uh, plus you have a very uh, calming presence, I would say. Oh,
0: thank you. Thank you. Yeah. You
1: know, it's true. It's like very like you go on Olga's show, and Olga's just she gets on there, and you're like, wow, she's just a very nice person, <laughs> you know, <it's laughs> a very <laughs> kind person. And uh, it's just relaxing you know so I was looking listening to some of your other podcasts and stuff and the whole money thing was interesting to me and creatives and I was thinking when I went on there and you had a question about that and I think there's some parallels I'll talk about it but what have you seen in your mind with creatives about money is it has there been several instances like you've had conversations with people you're like what's the deal here why is money such a taboo thing to discuss
0: I think for creatives, it really comes from this idea that uh, the idea of a starving artist. It's a misconception that I think many people have bought into. And the most recurring theme that I see within creatives is they kind of feel dirty, uh, charging Mm. for their passions. People who maybe So for me, creative is also, I I use that word loosely. So it's not just, you know, people who are creating or are in creative industries. I've had CPAs on there who I think are, I had JJ, the CPA on the show, and I think he is the most creative CPA guy out there. So I think some people, for example, who do um, healing work, energy work, they feel like they have these gifts and that were given to them by the universe or by God, whatever their beliefs are. And they feel that because they're helping people and because this is a gift that they have, they there's this challenge of charging for helping people with that, using that gift and helping them. Um, that seems to be the biggest thing and this misconception is tied into it of a starving artist that... You know, you're supposed to hate what you're uh, what you're doing. You're supposed to dread whatever you're making money off of. I think it's um, at this point, I think it's a dangerous misconception. Actually. I too, I
1: agree, too, with that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think that is probably the biggest thing. And uh, most people, it's going back to the money talk stigma. Most people don't talk about money with their parents. They don't get taught about money in school. Um, one person I spoke to in probably the entirety of the time that I've been doing this. And he said, we were taught how to write a check. And that was that. So most people don't get taught it. And, um, these misconceptions of, um, artists have to be, you know, broke all the time.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The starving artist. I just strange to me. I parallel it to my, uh, business and and uh, fitness. And you get in creatives, in a sense, it's a very creative industry in many ways. And uh, I've had so many conversations over 20 years with, you know, uh, fellow executives and things where it's like personal trainers have such a hard time asking for money for doing yes. a business, or they're so scared to charge. Or then the other thing is then they they lowball the profession by cr- charging such low prices, or just oh, I'll do it free here and there. That then it, it kind of waters down. Like, hey, this is a legitimate thing, you know. Absolutely. This is your art, you know. It 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 costs something for this. This isn't a free rodeo, you know.
0: I would definitely say to anyone who's listening and maybe seeing these similar challenges in themselves, I would say if you're having trouble putting up your prices. I would go as far as you can because at the end of the day, you can really charge whatever you want as long as you sell it to yourself first. You have to buy into that price, whatever it is, whether it's per, per hour, per session, whatever you're charging, if you buy into that price yourself, you're going to have no trouble selling it to people. Now, you will probably encounter people who say no, but that's also part of entrepreneurship, hearing no.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, of course. Now, what do you think it's, you know, you talked about, um, you know, people never hearing it from their parents to talk about money. What is the taboo about speaking about, like, what people are making, what they're charging, and why we just don't have those discussions early in life?
0: I think it's very interesting. I'm not sure I've gotten to the bottom of where it began, but I think most of our taboos really come from this nine-to-five world that we used to live in um, and the secrecy of what everyone is making. And I think part of it is that capitalism and the systems that we function in right now Are, I think they're very antiquated and they were built that way for a reason, um, mostly to keep profits up and, you know, making sure that you're paying people as little as possible. But I think it created a lot of issues, like, for example, pay inequality, um, gender pay inequality, um, Mm -hmm. race pay inequality. I think these things are. The transparency for me is, I think, crucial for everyone to move forward in the future. I'm actually working on an article right now. It's so funny that you brought this up because I genuinely want to know from HR people and companies, what it what is your purpose of keeping salaries so hush-hush? I so think weird. <laughs> if, if people knew what they were making, I think um, it would be one- there I feel there's this constant looking over your shoulder, making sure that you're taking care of yourself. But if there's this transparency and that everyone kinda knows what's happening, I think it would create a better better morale, better environments for people to work in. But also, you know, I don't know um, how people would feel, you know, I've worked in companies or I've read reports where people say you know, this person does the same job as this other person and they're making 20%, 18% less. And for some people who make a lot of money, this is tens of thousands of dollars and there's no rhyme or reason. But for me, I'm not sure where I, where it started, but I'm definitely trying to get to the bottom of it and maybe spark some change because I, I, Think that if there's more transparency about these things, people are going to be coming together. It's like think about if you're working um, as a bartender or um, a server in a restaurant. For the most part, you get your you know you get your tips, and that's based on your interactions with the customers one on one. But at the end of the day, everyone kind of knows what everyone is making. There's like there's this camaraderie and we're in this together and obviously if you're pulling tips it's even more camaraderie but I think um, they have to work in a team and they have to come together but when you have these taboos and divisions that's where that's where trouble starts I think
1: yeah I think so too I I also find it so weird that like in sports, you know, we can report that somebody's making twenty million dollars a year, you know, a hundred million dollar contract. But then companies won't report that this job is like fifty thousand dollars a year. It's just strange to me. Like,
0: absolutely, it's so out
1: there in the public in sports and salaries of every player. But in like every normal every no- everyday jobs with people, we're like, oh no, we can't talk about the salaries of like somebody in a management position, <laughs> you know.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, it doesn't make sense to me and hopefully we'll, we'll spark some change with this conversation also.
1: Well, that's a big part of my podcast. It's just having, um, open conversations, uncomfortable conversations about things and that people can reference back to. So if somebody says, Oh, well, I would love to talk about conflict between, you know, or hear about more about Hong Kong and in China, I'd be like, Oh, I have an episode coming out about that, you know. There we should you should be able to talk about these things, you know, and listen into it. Uh, but I think the money thing is just strange because it's something that I remember learning how to write a check and things like that. But that was pretty much as far as it went overall. Uh, my parents are wonderful people, but there wasn't a lot of lessons about money, you know.
0: Absolutely. I definitely, I think most people have the experience like, like I did, I don't remember my parents really teaching me anything about money. I, I was one of those crazy people that in high school, I was like, I want to be an accountant when I grow up. (laughs) And I kind of went into school with this purpose of, you know, you hear about companies doing well all the time, and people are struggling. And where does that come from? So I kind of went into school thinking, what is this thing that I'm going to reveal? Like, what is this big secret that companies have that people don't? And the truth is, it's two things. One is a budget. So most companies have a budget. They know what they they have plans. And the second part to this is really the intention and the strategy so they know they're going to be doing they're going to be making this money they have these budgets where they're going to spend things and invest more in the in the business and the company and it kind of helps that flow of money most people don't budget most people don't know how to budget most people that i talk to think they're budgeting but they're really just <laughs> expense tracking <laughs> So most, I think, um, as of twenty nineteen, only maybe a third of Americans are actually budgeting, and that I and the numbers, I think, I I don't think that, um, you know, a correlation between two statistics means causation, but I also don't think that it's a coincidence that thirty. 3% of Americans also have savings that they could rely on. I mean, also, this is pre-COVID statistics. I think things have changed a little bit in the last couple of months, but I don't think it was a coincidence that the number of people who budget is also the number of people who have uh, emergency savings to rely on.
1: Yeah, actually, you know, it's interesting My parents did the reverse with me, so they didn't talk about it when I was in high school and stuff. But once I was in like my mid 20s, then they started talking to me about money and they did me a solid favor, actually, when I got married and everything and um, and really helped me out. And then I also had the aid. of I have a I have an awesome financial advisement team. These dudes are amazing and they're like young guys and uh they really have helped me out so much and it was funny when we were starting the whole process years ago and they were talking about budgeting what you just mentioned and i've yeah. always had i've always had a budget like i've been very good i'm very like i want to have i want to be efficient want to be organized and they were saying the same thing you said you realize most people don't have this right like they don't they don't do this they just spend and then you know it's really an expense tracking aspect of it you know Word for word, basically what you said. And uh at that point I already had a very well established four hundred one K and all that stuff and IRAs. I had all this stuff set up because my parents actually at that point started really talking about it. But then I realized I started realizing too how little of this was happening in the United States. And then statistics like if, you know, most Americans could not afford a four hundred dollar emergency expense as well. Yes. And that's, that's terrifying to me, I feel like. That's crazy.
0: Absolutely. You know, well, an interesting point that you said I want to go back to is your parents didn't really talk to you about money when you are growing up. And then in your 20s, they're like, here come money conversations. I had a similar experience. My mom, I knew my mom had a budget. That was as far as it went. But outside of that, um, I didn't have many conversations with her up until when it was time for me to go to college. And my parents immigrated from Russia when I was nine. They had no idea how the college system is here. And the conversation went something like, you know, we had no idea. College is so expensive. People start saving for these things when their kids are born. We don't have... um anything to rely on for you, you're going to have to figure it out. And if you want to go to a private school, you will really have to figure it out because Mm -hmm. we can't help you. And that was really the first time that I had my, like a money conversation with my mom. And it's one of those things going back to kind of skipping forward to what you were saying about your financial advisors telling you, you know, the budget, how it's key, essentially. If my mom told me four years before, so let's say instead of waiting until I was a senior in high school, having this conversation with me as a freshman, I could have done something more proactive about it. But instead, it's like, okay, you kind of resolve to what is happening to you. And um, that's really why I always go back to budgets, because They can be scary to put together for the first time. You don't know where you're at. You don't know what you'll see. But there's. it's so empowering to find out where you are today. It's empowering because, you know what, maybe you don't like that picture. That's okay. Not everyone's going to like what they see. However, it's that ownership part of it and say, you know what, I do want to work on my savings. I do want to start an emergency savings fund. And it doesn't have to be, you know, I'm going to save $400 in the next month. You could just start making baby steps towards that. And that small progress will keep everything moving forward in the right direction for you. So that, that intention is huge.
1: I think so. It's definitely huge. Now... What is What have been some of the notable experiences and conversations with people about money? Obviously, keeping out who these people are, but just overall, maybe some highlights of things that maybe surprised you when talking to people about money.
0: I think the biggest surprise for me so far has been actually seeing the reach of my work. So i I say I'm a money coach, but... I kind of struggle with that some days because I feel like it doesn't encompass enough of what I do sometimes. So most people don't have conversations with their children about money and talking to clients who have children. And then somehow the children begin to pick up these changes that their parents are having with money and all of a sudden, there are mindset shifts that are happening with the children as well. That has been an incredible thing to watch. Or, for example, hearing from my clients that, you know, I didn't even realize that this was a source of stress for me and my partner. And then I was able to have a quick money conversation that was nowhere near as scary as I thought it would be. And now I have, not only are they excited, they're like liberated almost. They are free of this burden. They also didn't even realize they had. And that's really, I mean, it's awesome when I get to hear how people are budgeting and they're checking in with their money periodically and they're on track with their money goals. That's awesome. But for me, the most surprising part was seeing the ripple effects of of the work that we're doing outside of just like the money stuff.
1: Interesting how it kind of filters down for people uh, with that. Um,
0: Absolutely.
1: On your podcast, have you ever had any surprising answers to the money question on there?
0: You know, I think most people fall into two buckets where they either have had help and they've said like, hey, I'm over my money blocks, or they are just saying, you know, I do my best and it is what it is, or I am that person who will do literally, I'll do the dishes, I'll do the laundry, I'll pick up the house so I don't have to do the money stuff. But <laughs> The surprising thing for me has been just how incredibly honest some people have been. Mm -hmm. Um, I think in the first 10 episodes, uh, it was with a life coach, Matt Gagnon. He -hmm. was very, very transparent about how money was difficult in his business. He bootstrapped his own business. I bootstrapped my business. So we really bonded over that. Right. Um, but it's, it's not e- considering all the money talk stigma. No one really talks about it. Even these days, it's sometimes hard to have a pricing conversation with people, um, people who are entrepreneurs themselves. And it's, it always surprises me when people are willing to say, Hey, you know, this was my money journey. Um, a recent, um, just shared how she worked really, really hard to transform the money story she tells herself. She grew up in Eastern Europe on a farm, faced a lot of adversity, poverty, and decided that that was not going to be her future, and talked about how she hired a money coach. And those are really the ones that surprised me, where people... You know, it is nine minutes, the conversation, and people feel comfortable enough to share those stories. That is always a pleasant surprise.
1: That's awesome. I, you know, I think with podcasting, it's funny. You learn so much the more you do it about people and human behavior, and you're gaining this valuable, it's actually really valuable information. The more you do it, you're getting from people uh, for that. Has there ever been an episode where you're like, "Uh, that was not what I thought it was going to be?
0: You know, I think that can apply to literally every single episode (laughs) I've done. (laughs) (laughs) I think uh, there's a, it's almost like you record an episode and you're like, oh, I think this one's really going to resonate with people. And then not that it flops, but I'm like, oh, okay. It didn't do as well as I built it up in my head. (laughs) It, always, it's interesting. I think every single experience is never the way that I envision it. So I also have started practicing kind of setting intentions in a very different way for the podcast conversations. I want them to go well. And I want it to be a fun experience for both of us. And that's what I focus on. And I feel when I have less pre-existing notions of what I want it to look like. That's when, um, that's when I have the most fun, but it's also interesting because the last question of the podcast is just for a little bit of fun. What's your music? Uh, what's your favorite music? That really gets people kind of out of their comfort zone and Mm -hmm. really relaxed. And it's really interesting to hear people's answers. Um, they're, and sometimes they overlap. Like there will be people who say the same thing. And it, the first time I hear it, it'll be so unique. And then the second time I hear it, I'm like, oh, there's also other people out there. So, one uh, response that I'm thinking of specifically were two dads that came on the show and they said, my favorite music is the music my kids make. Hmm. Interesting.
1: Yeah. Very interesting. Now that's going to get turned back on you. I'm curious now what your favorite music is.
0: So I don't think that I have a favorite particular music. There's always like a time and place. So I, when I'm doing a lot of creative writing, I either do house music or I do soundtracks. My, I, wrote my book to all of the John Wick soundtracks. It really got I love got, that. got me pumping. <laughs> I love that. Oh my gosh. But, you know, I also listen to classical. I also, I love blended uh, music genres. So for example, I like this DJ who, I'm not sure if he's considered really dubstep or, mm-hmm. but his thing is combining classical music with these bass beats and i also listen to him a lot his name is apache it's a-p-a-s-h-e and it is it's it's very motivating um good workout music <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but i like anything that really gets Gets you feeling things. Anything emotional, whether good, bad. I like anything that stirs those emotions up and reminds me that I'm alive.
1: (laughs) That's amazing. It's funny, the music one is interesting. I went on this like month thing with a lot of people I knew asking them what their top five albums were of all time. And you couldn't believe how incredibly difficult and mind-bending it was for everybody I talked to about it. Like they were like really like, conflicted by it <laughs> you know it's like it was really amazing and we came and we came up with some really amazing things from that it was a great exercise and in, in listening to a variety of different things uh, for that so, it's so
0: funny you said that and I was like please don't ask me that right now <laughs> I'm not gonna ask
1: you it's actually incredibly difficult anybody who listens to this you got to do the top five album challenge like it's it's actually you think oh I I know that you know I Actually, it'll be very difficult for you to go through it because there's so much music and depending on what what pulls you or, you know, if you have or haven't listened to things from way back in the day, you know, you might be missing out on some incredible music uh, that was made. So I will not ask you that. No, (laughs) Um, I think we talked a little bit. I had to get back to this because I was like, oh, Olga. And then we were I was talking about I had that one episode with a bartender yes and and you made a comment about that and i was like oh i gotta talk to olga about that when she uh, comes on the whole thing did you say you owned a bar
0: no no i
1: (laughs) i was like yes where is this bar
0: (laughs) one day one day so (laughs) it's it's funny through like after graduating from high school all of my friends eventually got into the food industry the service industry And I would always visit them and support them. And I had roommates in college and posts, just kind of people in the service industry. I kind of became an honorary. So I'm not kidding. No matter where I go, either it's a bar or I meet new people, friends. They always ask me if I've worked in a bar or restaurant before just because I have picked up so much knowledge, um, that it's, it's just, I think I'm like an honorary at this point. Um, but I would love to own a bar one day. I think it's, um, it's one of those things, you know, of what you were saying about podcasts and being able to almost kind of people watch and see how people act. I think bars are a great way to do that. It's sort of like, um have a fascination with cemeteries. I think cemeteries, especially around the globe, are a very interesting way to study culture. Uh, everyone treats their dead differently. And it's very interesting to see the differences and maybe some overlaps. And I feel bars are the same way. Every neighborhood has its own vibe. Every bar has their own regulars and peculiarities. And it's, um, it's one of those things. I'm, a, I'm very much a people person. So I think that's why one day it's just, it's a must.
1: That's so awesome. I, I have to go to this bar wherever it is one day when you have
0: it. I'll send you an invite for the launch. You'll be the top one on the list.
1: I got to go. I'm like a big bar person and uh I've had some of the craziest, most influential, deepest conversations in my life at bars with random strangers. Absolutely. Like, right? That's how it's it goes. like No, I think people don't understand that sometimes. They look at it as this kind of like explosive fast of drunkenness and all that and You know, and and kind of the whole thing. I said, but man, when I get like one and a half drinks in, I've definitely had some crazy things that I've talked about. (laughs) You know, know,
0: it is truth serum, right? You get a little (laughs) loose and then you're like, wow, I and I think um, also with me, it's very interesting. If we lived on the same coast, it would have been awesome to just go bar hop and see what kind of conversations we get into, because What you said about people feeling comfortable on my podcast—it's kind of my aura. This, people feel very comfortable with me when Mm. they meet me in person. So I have been in situations where people are like, "I've literally never told this to anyone before (laughs) in my life," and I'm like, and there sometimes I'm sitting there and I'm like, "I really wish you held that on to yourself." Like, yes, should not have shared that with Asol. But, you know, that's part of, that's part of the journey.
1: <laughs> I think it's completely fun. part of it. Yeah, it's just so much fun. I mean, I one time had a conversation with a person about like how you discover planets and different solar systems and the cosmos and the event horizon of black holes and spaghettification. And I'm sure it sounded really weird. Like if you walked by, you're like, Who are, what are they doing? who are these people (laughs) who are these why are they talking about these weirdly intelligent science things i've talked about quantum entanglement and you know physics with people at bars you never
0: know that's the best part
1: that is the best part and i'm like i always tell people where i'll meet my friends at a bar in the past well not right now but in the past we have done that and we always have like the best conversation sitting at a bar like the best ever
0: Absolutely. You know, it's interesting. I think there are bar people and then there are people who kind of have this misconception of what it is. It's almost like the starving artist thing. People (laughs) think that like you go to a bar, it's like debaucherous. And like, I think it can be, you can be responsible and have Mm -hmm. a good time and also have an experience. I do have a question for you.
1: Oh, I love it.
0: What is your uh, favorite thing to drink at a bar?
1: Easy, very easy. (laughs) Well, one, my favorite alcohol is absinthe, easily. Oh my gosh, I love the taste. That and Jaeger, Jaegermeister, very much into it. Nice. Um, so I have a bar at my house in case you didn't hear it on the uh, podcast. Yes, them.
0: I did. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I look at it every day and I'm like, man, this is so awesome. I invested into it years ago cuz he used to throw these big parties. I'm talking huge parties where I would actually like have this huge cocktail menu, people would order off of it, and I'm making them these very I like sophisticated drinks, very high-end, uh semi semi complicated drinks but abs any absinthe drink like a jaded lady or the necromancer or even yeah. um oh those are so good and i actually was had a party one time it was a minion party don't ask me it's, it was a weird <laughs> somebody's birthday and they were like darian can you make the drinks and so i'll yeah yeah and i said, you know what we're gonna do something very s- simple we're gonna do death in the afternoon ernest hemingway drink and uh you know just champagne and absinthe this is like really crazy and uh, everybody was drinking death in the afternoons at like 2 p.m. at this Minion party. It was a weird scene, honestly.
0: How long did that last? I mean, that that sounds like a dangerous mix, champagne and apple. Oh, yeah,
1: it was. I mean, it definitely was crazy. It, got, it got crazy.
0: Everyone's like, we're yeah, turning yeah, we're... <laughs> this party in a different direction.
1: <laughs> you know what it turned into was like... Very chill, like everybody's chatting, all these you know, side conversations. And then it got uh, like about like six or seven, we're all outside next to this big fire. And it's just like, it just you know, people are getting very loose and uninhibited, and the and t- people are really loud. Yes, I think what happens you get later, people just start talking really loud.
0: This is true. <laughs>
1: And it's like the hand movements are really loud and stuff. And then this this one guy was there and uh, his wife was a designated driver. And so
0: she's Aww. like, yeah.
1: And she tells me when he gets home, they have this big pool that he just went and started swimming laps in their pool after like five of these death in the afternoons.
0: That's amazing. He
1: said he felt great. And I was
0: like, he didn't look great when he left. <laughs> <laughs> that, is a, that sounds like a good party.
1: Yeah, I used to. That was a very regular thing, probably once a month. It was like different themes and things like that. We had a big Gatsby party one time. Uh, we had a, a bring your own beers. Everybody brought their own mix six pack. And so it was like, how creative types of beers can you get? We had a Sangria Sunday, Sipping Saturday. I mean, you get the theme here.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so what is your most complicated gin drink that you've made? Hmm. I don't
1: know that this drink is complicated, but um well hey, I just it's think delicious. It, it's delicious. It's just so <laughs> delicious. It's called the suffering bastard. It's so good. And uh I can't, I I can't am remember all the ingredients. This down. Yeah, it's good. Actually, I have it on my phone. See, this is what my podcast turns into weird crazy stuff, man. It's <laughs> like go all over the place. But essentially what you do with it is you top it off with ginger beer, but it has all these other, I might be able to bring it up because I keep all of my, um, I keep all of my recipes on my phone for all of my, I have like hundreds of cocktail recipes. I'm like, I'm like all of this stuff. <laughs> I'm like really into like having a good drink, you know, it's just like, I don't know. I think it's just if you're going to
0: be doing it, you got to do it in style. My kind yeah. of guy. <laughs>
1: yeah, I want to do it in style. Oh, here it is. I See See how quickly I brought that up, Olga? That's how good it is. Okay, so it's one ounce bourbon, one ounce gin. Uh, it's one ounce fresh lime juice. And then it's a, a dash of Angostura bitters. And then you just top it off with chilled ginger beer. It Amazing. is so good. It is so refreshing. It's unbelievable. Just,
0: I may go on a search for some ginger beer because I have everything <laughs> else for this. I I'm on a mission. Thank you. It
1: tastes terrible without the ginger beer. Just so you know, you have to, you have to have it. Like
0: it, it sounds right.
1: <laughs> I gotta send you some of my recipes. I have to like text them to you or something. If you you know, for sure.
0: Yeah, I would love a huge that huge
1: list of uh, and I have this uh, app. It's called a uh, highball so i keep a lot of recipes on there too but nice. uh yeah i just like i just really enjoy and a sazerac is also one of my favorite cocktails it's very simple it's just whiskey simple syrup and bitters and absinthe so good but a lot of people me- mess up the drink because a lot of bartenders mess it up in my opinion because they just rinse the absinthe out i want the full force of the absinthe i want it in right. the drink i don't want no i don't want anything washed I want it in there. I want to taste the power.
0: You know? Yeah. <laughs> you want the experience, not just a little taste.
1: Yeah, I want. I, and generally, I would say I probably lean towards prohibition style drinks. You know, your Manhattans, you know, Preakness, yep. Sazeracs. I just really like to taste the taste of alcohol. You know, some people, they don't want to taste the alcohol. They just want to kind of mask it. I'd rather like feel the full blunt brunt of it.
0: You know, I find drinks where it's masked too much. They're just a little dangerous. You forget that you're drinking (laughs) alcohol. All of a sudden you're five drinks in and you stand up and you're like, oh, there was alcohol in there.
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh. It's funny you mentioned that because I used to also throw these like little mini parties. I mean, I sound like a crazy guy. I know. (laughs) Uh, But I used to invite like three or four of my really close friends over. To this was in Las Vegas when I lived there for a while, and that's why I would do like my test kitchen. So at my bar, I'm like I'm testing out three or four cocktails I'm working on. So they would come over, and I would make them for, and then we would play cornhole in between each drink and stuff like that. Amazing. It got pretty wild. Got pretty wild at some points. These
0: are great parties. I mean, <laughs> you, how are you staying sane during these quiet times? <laughs>
1: I, when I moved from Vegas, I was there 15 years, and it was just like lots of parties. I mean, lots of parties. I just enjoy hosting things. I'm a big host. I want everybody to have a good time. I want to be creative. Let's have stuff. So it's really kind of a solitary thing for me at this point. I'm just like experimenting in my bar. Like, like, like my, my next drink I'm experimenting on is a tsunami spritzer. I'm going to make that Friday. And uh that's a really refreshing drink cuz it's like sparkling wine, San Pellegrino, gin and lime juice.
0: Ooh. That sounds delicious.
1: You're learning here, Olga. You come on my show, you learn. <laughs>
0: That is a sign of a good show. (laughs) I hear you writing stuff down.
1: I hear you writing stuff down.
0: (laughs) It all getting jotted down and anything that I miss, I'm going to be, this is going to be one of those episodes. I'm going to re-listen. You're like, why are these plays going up so much? It's going to be me. (laughs) Like, so that drink. Oh yes. I need to try that too.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I'm telling you, I know I should like send you, I'm going to text you. It's so much easier. Please just text you these things because there's just so many and then you tell me what you think about it type of thing, you know, like it's, we were exchanged. You seem, we seem like kindred spirits with this whole thing here. I don't Absolutely. meet many people like you. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it's, uh, but it's just a fun time, you know, hosting and uh, I like naming the parties and stuff. I'm printing out the recipes and people are like, this is like serious. I'm like, well, I want to like go through the full thing. I don't want it to just be some haphazard thing, you know? Yeah.
0: Like, It's so funny. My best friend does the same exact thing. He's like the king of throwing a good party. Um, Last Friendsgiving, he had three rounds of dinners come through. All in one day. He made two turkeys. It was all delicious. (laughs) It was amazing. It was the biggest Friendsgiving party I've ever been to. And probably the best party he's ever thrown.
1: (laughs) Wow. Wow. Wow, that's amazing. I love people like yourself who are just like, let's just have like this boisterous thing. Let's have joy. Let's, you know, experiment, all that. I'm just, I'm very into that mindset. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I also,
0: I also starved myself of all of that stuff for a good decade. When I worked in corporate America and I I did the accounting thing for 10 years, I somehow told myself that I'm supposed to be a boring person like (laughs) accountants aren't fun you're supposed to be like a bland human and uh you know I I when I embarked on my entrepreneurship journey I started to figure out just how starved I was for just being creative and having fun like uh, this year and I know it's hard with everything going on but if I'm not having fun, I'm not doing it like I know yeah. that it, if I if I get into a thing and I'm not enjoying it, I'm going to fall off it.
1: Yeah, I, I, I feel the same way about it. actually see, I got crazy stories. I mean, I, I could have a show of just of all my crazy hangout <laughs> stories. Literally, it would be below people's minds. But like I used to be in this bowling league no joke. It was like 36 weeks long. It was like a real commitment. Wow. And me and my buddies, we had like uniforms and everything. I mean, we we're like serious, the shoes, we had our own bowling balls. I mean, we were like, we're doing this. We're going to go all out for it. And uh, we used to make it like an event every Sunday, 6.20 PM. This is in Vegas, right? this is in a casino. So you can imagine like it's <laughs> bowling hours in there, yard houses inside the casino one of my favorite uh places to drink of all time amazing at least this one was and like we would start at like 2 p.m and like pre-game before the bowling started at 6 20 so you know we're eating we're drinking we're having great times and by the time we got to the bowling alley I mean I'm just gonna say well we were pretty slobber knockered man I mean we were just like yelling in the casino <laughs> We were At one point, we'd, we would tackle each other. This is inside a casino. <laughs> I'm surprised that it'd kick us out. This and we would mean, get I there. Mean. Oh, my gosh. We would just like – we go into – we had a locker, too. We had a bowling locker. We were like pretty nerdy about it. Go on the bowling locker. We're getting change. You know, we're having contests of like who can kick the highest up to the locker and stuff. We're like betting money inside the locker room. Get out to the bowling alley, like who's gonna double gutter this? You know, we're playing other teams. It's just crazy. <laughs> we're chest bumping when we get strikes, we're yelling. We were the most hated team in the entire league.
0: <laughs> I love it. I mean, you definitely made a mark.
1: We made a huge mark. They tried to throw us out of the league. That's how bad it got. <laughs> it <was> like- <laughs> <laughs> they were voting to try to get us out of the league. I was like, wow, this is crazy. Like all because we were just celebrating because we ended up finishing like third place out of 15 teams. Oh, I don't wow. think they liked that. We were so good, even though we were, we were crazy half the time. We were and right. You know, like, it's not like everybody else was like really like corporate tight or like I'm bowling and I must be very serious about this. <laughs> <laughs> Bowling's a drinking sport. I didn't understand why nobody else was drinking besides our team. I'm like, this is unbelievable, man. I
0: guess there are some people who are incredibly competitive and take it to the other to the other extreme like this is super serious i guess they might as well be corporate america
1: (laughs) yeah and it's like we would get done and then it was like the best times we had walked to the casino you know we got each other we got we're like everybody's walking we're singing songs and it's just like a really fun thing you know and then we go to this um this noodle place this asian noodle place that we always ate at the end of the night end of the night being like 9 p.m and <laughs> we would eat. We'd get all this food. We'd share it, and then everybody would Uber home. We never drove ever. Ever. We never drove. It was always Uber to so everywhere, and we would all get in our Ubers. We'd all go home and be asleep by like 9:30, 10 o'clock at night. That's literally oh. how it went every Sunday for thirty six weeks.
0: <laughs> wow, I bet they did not even realize that they're like this they're probably going out after. Oh, like no, yeah. we're in bed as soon as this is done.
1: <laughs> we're done. We're like the happy hour crew. Like this is a bunch of 40 year old guys, you know, 30 something guys, and one twenty five year old. And he learned he's like, You guys don't stay out late. I'm like, Oh no, no, no. We don't that's for an amateur hour staying out late,
0: man. <laughs> I or mean you get mature. In Vegas.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But we were like, you know, when you get more mature, you don't stay out that late. That bad stuff happens late at night. You know, I was like, it's, it's not it's worth true. it.
0: It's yeah. true. And definitely. Also, I'm the type of person that will attract all kinds of crazy in broad daylight. <laughs> I, you know, the less I am out there at nighttime where more crazy people are out, probably better for me.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it's... Uh, it's just better. And then you get a full night's sleep. You feel amazing in the morning. And it's just like, it was just like some of the best times in my life. And then like, we would like invite people to come hang out with us the pregame. We would have like, no lie, we'd have like fans come and watch us the bowl. It's and amazing. Because they just thought we were so crazy. It was so much fun. It's like they were witnessing this event every week, you
0: know. They're basically getting like one of their shows that you see on ESPN, except yeah. this was their personal team. That's amazing.
1: Yeah, we used to always have people come out and just be like, I just want to be a part of this energy. There's so much energy yeah. with you guys, you know, and that's I felt like, you know, regardless of the drinking and stuff, it was just like it was just like we were living, man. We were just we were just blowing, throwing caution to the wind on some level, but also pretty responsible On the other hand, you know, we weren't doing like stuff where it was like, oh, that's questionable. And it was just like a bunch of dudes hanging out, you know, having crazy conversations about like everything from Tesla to the Cosmos, then going bowling, you know, having gambling in the locker room, you know, kicking lockers, like trying to see who has the most flexibility. It's like weird stuff just weird stuff
0: sounds like (laughs) a good time
1: yeah yeah and we videoed everything by the way nobody's gonna see those videos that stays between (laughs) the
0: guys
1: (laughs) it's just funny what
0: happens in Vegas stays in Vegas apparently it's true
1: yeah and it wasn't anything crazy it was just like funny guys yelling and singing and you know talking trash it was just actually just so magical. I really miss it. And I love fun people. Anybody who's like down to just have a lot of fun. I want to be on that team, you know, love it. So uh, Olga, uh, there'll be some recipes coming your way for some cocktails here,
0: please. I am excited.
1: I'm going to be sending those to you. Thank you for being on the show. I really appreciate you. Thank you for helping my brother, by the way, as well.
0: Of course, thank you so much, Darian, for having me on the show and introducing me to your brother. And um, I, this was a lot of fun, a lot, a lot of fun. Thanks so much.
1: <laughs> I'm the fun time guy. Okay.
0: <laughs> now I know.
1: Now you know. All right. I'll I'll talk to you soon. You too. Speak soon. All right. So let me ask you something. How do you get your news? because I know you want to stay informed with what's going on here in the world. There's so much going on on a regular basis. And it's something that's been a problem for me personally. And I've been searching and searching and searching and finally, I found a news source that I think all of my listeners are going to love. It's called the donut or the dose of news useful today. The founder and CEO Peter Nowak is a good friend of mine. And when he turned me on to it, I was just blown away. Finally, a daily news source that delivers succinct and factual news about all the world's occurrences and it's an easy access to finding things that you just want to get information about and it also serves up a lot of positive news stories that you won't hear anywhere else it's your daily reminder that there is good in the world even if it doesn't feel like it sometimes so get the donut stay informed it's hundred percent free you can unsubscribe anytime visit the donut.co or text donut to 66866 to sign up today.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Dr. D's social network. Make sure you listen to future episodes. Also, please make sure to rate and review my dad's show on Apple Podcasts in the rate and review section. Thanks everyone. Do you know the risk factors for type 2 diabetes? Or what makes it more likely
1: you or someone in your life might have the disease? With type 2 diabetes playing a growing role in the lives of so many, you need to know. And Project Power, a community program from the American Diabetes Association, is here to help. Take our risk test today at diabetes.org projectpower You can avoid the risks of type 2. Project Power will help.
0: What could be germier than a bathroom doorknob? Try unclean countertops, TV remotes, fridge handles, gaming controls, and all kinds of things around the house. Help your family stay happy, healthy, and uninterrupted by illness this year with Clorox disinfecting wipes, Clorox bleach, and Clorox disinfecting mist. They kill 99.9% of cold and flu viruses on hard, non-porous surfaces when used as directed. So get germs out of the way and get on with your day with Clorox. You're unstoppable when you start clean.